Um, okay, great. It's now time to um, introduce our guest speaker. You'll have seen uh, Dr. Jacques Ludic's uh, bio on the invitation, so I won't go through that again. I don't know what Jacques is going to say this evening, um, but I know he's well qualified to talk about this particular subject. Um, but let me just mention something that I read um, literally within the last week or so, um, which was in one of the UK broadsheets. Um, there's a new uh, chief scientific officer in the UK, uh, Dr. Khalil, Khalili, sorry. Um, and he says, amongst other things, I've got a whole article, that artificial intelligence is a greater concern for the future of Britain than antibiotic resistance, climate change, or terrorism. The income, oh, sorry, the, the, that's really, and then goes on at some, at some length to talk about that. So um, I don't think we could be talking about a much more important or relevant subject. So over to Dr. Jacques. Thank you. Thanks. Okay, first of all, David, um, thank you very much for the opportunity to speak here. It's, uh, it's a privilege. Um, I don't know, I know. I don't know a lot of people here actually, so this is awesome. Um, so, <clears throat> anyway, so what I would like to do, yeah, obviously, thanks to the sponsors as well, Links Africa, Virgin Atlantic. It's awesome. Um, so, I'm, I'm gonna before I start, just want to get a sense of who is excited about AI. Okay. Okay. Who is scared? Okay. <laughs> I wanted to go with neutral, but um, optimistic, excited, sustained. Okay. Okay. So no, that's good. Um, who knows about the fourth industrial revolution? Feels okay. Cool. So I, I'm going to do a, a bit of an introduction to both AI, artificial intelligence, and and also to the fourth industrial revolution. And uh, so what I do is, um, okay, sorry, the topic here is, is business in Africa ready for AI and the fourth industrial revolution? So I'll allude to that as well, but I'm gonna start with just AI, industrial revolution, just providing the context around that. Um, and what we can do, we can keep it also interactive, David, I'm not sure if there's questions or should we have questions after? Yeah, I, I'm very flexible. If you really feel you wanna ask something, that's good. Um, I do a hard stop, probably an hour's time, but um, I've got to fly back to Cape Town. So I'm in Cape Town. It's not going to be a Virgin Atlantic, but it's Kalula. But <laughs> sorry, this not, this not Virgin Atlantic. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, so I'll just start with a, um, my personal massive transformative purpose in business and, and what I'm trying to do, and that's really around how can we shape a better future for for us, societies, for, for business in general, um, in the smart technology era. And I've, I refer to the fourth industrial revolution as the smart technology era, just to make it a bit more generic, because it's not just industrial. It's really impacting all disciplines, and, and I'll, I'll really talk about that as well. So I think we live in a, in a very interesting time. Um, lots of opportunities. I think it's also scary. We, we enter a dangerous world. And that's why I think the word shape is, is very important. So we need visionary leadership, we need wisdom, and we need execution um, to, to actually make the right choices. And we definitely need to work together. Um, and maybe just a, a comment, I don't know who's read the book Homo Sapiens. Somebody read that? Yeah, okay. Um, I think the one thing that he talked about is some of the problems that we as Homo Sapiens experience is really um, on a global level, that you can't really solve on a national level as well. So, therefore, the need to actually have global col collaboration around these kind of things, climate control, technology disruption, biotech, there's, there's so many things. Um, so, and I, and I think one, one needs to look at it like that. So, I, I, I think he's onto something there. Anyway, so, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to talk too much about myself. I actually want to go straight to the fourth industrial revolution, but I just want to mention um, I, I do have a, a strong background in artificial intelligence. I actually built a whole career on that. Uh, and maybe just a few names. I, I, um, I did a PhD in AI, but I founded a company called Seasing Systems, and that was the first African company, um, uh, AI company, that was sold to a multinational, uh, General Electric. So at least we've got a, a good story around that for what it's worth. Um, learned a lot in, in General Electric as well, but then 
started the Machine Intelligence Institute of Africa, which is a non-profit organization, and really aim, the aim of that is, is help to transform Africa through smart technologies, shaping a better future in a smart technology era. And we've got a community of more than 2,300 members, it's growing, there's a huge interest, obviously lots of hype uh, around uh, the Machine Intelligence uh, around AI. And, and uh, so, but that's great, it's been strategic, um, it's offered me also a platform to, to be um, at the United Nations to actually speak in Geneva, Switzerland um, on, on the AI for Good Global Summit. So I'm obviously interested in the sustainable development goals and, and how we can actually shape a better future and, and transform Africa as well. We don't want Africa to be left behind and I've got strong opinions and, and ideas around how we can actually uh, make a difference. Um, on that front, but um, so that's that. Um, I, I then also I just skip a few. Uh, my current company is called Cortex Logic, which is the next generation AI engine for business. Um, so we live in the era, the smart technology era, where you see disruptive companies, uh, platform business, the Ubers, the Airbnbs, the all these type of companies, Facebooks, the Googles, they're all platform businesses. Um, um, that's disrupting uh, the markets, various markets. So on that, on the one hand, then we've got corporates. They also want to survive and thrive in this era. So, um, so what we do is to operationalize AI end to end and, and help the companies as well. Anyway, so that's in a nutshell. So the fourth industrial revolution, smart technology era. So, and I, I start with with these words. I, we stand on the brink of a technology, a technological revolution that will fundamentally alter the way we live, work, and relate to one another. And and, and I believe that is in fact true. Um, and it's. And it's not just because of AI. AI is just one of the smart technologies. It's obviously an incredibly important one, uh, critical one. So if you look at the definition of the fourth industrial revolution or the smart technology era, really it builds on the digital revolution and it's characterized by the fusion of these new technologies, these smart technologies. And really what's happening here, which is frightening, is blurring the lines between the physical, the digital, and the biological worlds and is actually impacting all disciplines, economies, and industries. Um, and, and even that final comment is scary, and even challenging ideas of what it means to be human. Now, I, I think we've got a choice here. So we can create a world that's more human-centric, um, where we can have AI doing a lot more repetitive things and routine things, and we can shift more to compassion and, and human-centric type of jobs, and we should value those jobs as well. Um, so. Anyway, so, so just that comment on that. So let's just move on. So the World Economic Forum, I've been quite inspired by some of the leadership there and also the African leadership there. Uh, Paul Kagame of Rwanda. Um, as a matter of fact, this is the guy just on the, on the corner here. Um, the he said the opportunity to raise the quality of life is the biggest business opportunity. On the left-hand side, uh, Robert Schiller from Yale University was saying, we cannot wait until there are massive dislocations in our society to prepare for the fourth industrial revolution. And to the right, the chairman of Cisco uh, was saying, if you don't innovate fast, disrupt your industry, disrupt yourself, you'll be left behind. So we live in the 21st century. If you look at the 21st century skills, um, it's not just the foundational literacies. It's actually dealing with complex environments and dealing with changing environments. And it's difficult for people just to think, this is my career, I'm a doctor, I'm a lawyer, this is what I'm doing. I think in, this, in the world that we live going forward, uh, one needs to probably disrupt your, yourself. Be a lifelong learner, and, and um, so big challenges, and we need, you need to get used to change. I need, need to get comfortable with that. And that's kind of the lesson for the kids and the children uh, as well. And Professor Klaus Schwab, uh, the president of the World Economic Forum, said, in the new world, it's not the big fish which eats the small fish, it's the fast fish which eats the slow fish. And, and that, is, that is so true. So agile, being agile. Um, Kodak is not here with us anymore. You see all these kind of, dis uh, even Nokia, who well, is a smart technology company, what happened? So you can't rest in your laurels. Things change quickly. There might be a big disruptor, it could be six, six people in a garage doing something and come up with something incredible. Um, so we live in an interesting world. Um, okay, so if you look at the, the next industrial revolution, so it's just quickly going through this. Um, so in 1784, uh, we, we really talked about the first industrial revolution where water and steam was used to mechanize production. In 1817, we used electric power to create mass production. 
all to do with production. 1969 with electronics and IT and automated production, we start using um, electronics information technology to automate production. So now the automation comes into play. And now the cyber physical system, the fourth industrial revolution, as is what I've mentioned before, but I think the focus is more on smart automation. So it's bringing intelligence into the automation, and that implies a lot of things. Uh, assisted intelligence, autonomous intelligence, all sorts of different things, and I will talk about those things as well. So, so if you look at the fusion of these technologies, we talk about the technologies, and I'm, I'm actually on the next slide, I will talk about the speed of the technology change and what those um, technologies are. But if you just look at this, and I think, who was surprised by the self-driving cars to see what's happening on that front? We, did, you, did you expect this? Okay. Okay, who knows about the game Go? Okay, one, two, is not a lot of people. Now, you know chess, you know IBM, you know what happened there. It was basically brute force search. You can actually beat the best players in the world with chess. Now, Go is a, it's a strategic game, thousands of years. It was played in China, and it's on a, on a slightly bigger board than chess. You've got black and white um, stones, and you move around, and you try to, to, to actually occupy territories and stuff. The number of moves that you can actually do on that chase on that go board is more than the atoms in the, in the universe. So just so you can't just do a brute force search. So what Google DeepMind did uh, a few years ago was to actually um, create uh, um, use deep reinforcement learning, which is part of the neural network AI stack, and with Monte Carlo search, which is good old-fashioned um, AI, engineered a solution that got to superhuman performance and came up with strategies that uh, that humans hasn't even thought of. So, and that was obviously in a very confined, very well-defined space, but it shows the potential. There's no consciousness of anything, just superhuman performance in terms of strategy and so forth. So it's, it basically paved the way, it showed what is possible. And I think that woken up China and, the, the, and, and Korea and all those countries in the Asian bloc as well. And that's why you see governments going behind this. They realize this is something big. Um, and the opportunities are immense. Um, so, but anyway, so self-driving cars, drones, Virtual assistants, software that translates and invests. We're also putting an AI hedge fund together. I think it's Africa's first AI hedge fund. So we, and, and, uh, and there's a lot of AI in there um, as well. If you think about software, software is also used to discover new drugs to algorithms. We are, we've got also one of the companies in the Cortex group is, is Mosaic. It's, uh, it's looking <coughs> at um, precision medicine for oncology. And uh, very excited about that. A lot of AI in terms of that as well to help with drug discovery and all sorts of things. Um, but anyway, so but you also see this in the biotech side. I'm not going to go into that, but th that is a very interesting. Um, There's another big area biotechnology. Um, so if you look at the speed of technology change in the smart technology era, as humans we see things on a linear scale. Time goes by linear. We feel things are linear. But then that's the reason we, we are surprised by self-driving cars or the, the super. Superhuman performance that we suddenly get from AI and all these breakthroughs and uh, that's happening um, because they're actually on an exponential path and it is not just AI. There's a, there's a range of technologies and I'm listing here. Maybe you can't see it properly, but biotech, neurotech, nanotech, new energy sustainability, ICT, mobile technology, sensoring, 3D printing, AI, robotics, drones, and basically what we see is the fusion of these technologies to create all sorts of powerful toolboxes to create incredible solutions. Um, so that's why there's so much incredible opportunities and we will see exponential uh, breakthroughs um, and things happening. And I think the, the opportunities are unlimited. Um, basically what happened with, with smartphones, this is like a sensor. We, we are being instrumented as humans as well. So some people choose, I'm not going to use Facebook or some of these social media. But the, the fact of the matter is even if you use Google Maps and all of that, these sensors on, and, and, and there's constantly AI machine learn, machines that can learn mm -hmm. from data, from user interaction. So we're generating incredible amounts of data at, at exponential rates. So it's actually the generation is going exponential and the challenge for business is the data utilization is linear compared to the exponential um, rate. And it's not just social media, IoT, Internet of Things. Um, and in the future, buildings, everything will be so instrumented with sensors all over the place, and they will become more intelligent because you can control them, and there could be machines adapting and all that. So it's, that's the kind of world 
this is the kind of runaway train that we as a society put ourselves on. So, well, this may be a few people that's driving this, but we are the recipients of, of this. Um, but the bottom line is there's still unlimited opportunities to, to, to shape a better future, solve problems um, at scale. Okay, so uh, Andrew Ng mentioned AI's new electricity, and from Salesforce, Mark Benioff said the AI revolution is here. Um, I think there was also a saying, um, software is eating the world. And the re what, what we mean by software is eating the world, uh, it, it actually reminds me when I was at General Electric as well, where Jeff Immelt was saying, yesterday we were a hardware company, today we're a software company. Even though we, <laughs> even though they are just selling jet turbine, jet engines and turbines and MRI, MRI scanners and all sorts of different things. And the reason for that is, all those, if you look at the jet engine, You've got about 2,000 sensors around a, a jet or more, uh, around the jet engine, and with that information, you can actually have a real-time model that models exactly the state and can also do, so it allows you to do predictive maintenance. It can predict potential failures, potential issues, and, and so forth. And I think the big business cases for, for these Siemens and, and, and all these type of companies, uh, equipment-based companies, is fact that they can provide service level agreements with their equipment, so they actually sell that as well. It's becoming software defined, but I think it's also becoming artificial intelligence <laughs> software because it's becoming AI intelligent software, effectively. Anyway, so you see tremendous growth uh, in AI, talking about the billion market by 2025, um, between 40 and, 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 and 100 billion. Now, this, it, this graph was, was um, or diagram was done by Bloomberg Beta in, in San Francisco in 2015 and it was just showing the AI or the machine intelligence landscape and, uh, and basically what you see there is just a range of companies there's obviously some tech giants in between but a number of companies that's coming in and disrupting areas of enterprise so that's why we say rethinking enterprise and then industries every industry you will see AI companies come to the fore um, rethinking human computer interface uh, I think the technology st stack lost decade as, as, as there's a number of breakthroughs especially with deep learning and, and dealing with unstructured data audio video text th that type of thing and that allows us to it opens up so many opportunities so if you think about artificial intelligence one traditional type of application is when you've, you what you find in data science where it's all about uncovering hidden insights and and you've got a, a much stronger toolbox now because it's not dealing with structured data but it's also unstructured data. So you can work with text and all sorts of things. You can do sentiment analysis and you can calculate net promoter score, scores based on that. You can listen to recordings, you can automate those type of things. There's a lot of image recognition, you can look at facial expressions, all sorts of things. So uh, that opens the door for, for many, many things there. Um, so, but anyway, so insights one, but the same technology is also being used on the human computer interface. So now we get intelligent virtual assistants. And, and if you think about What's your favorite one? I don't know, who, who likes Siri? Siri is still not very clever. Well, I, I, I still have. Who's got Google Home at home? Alexa? Okay. So, I, I don't know, did you, who saw the demo of Google Duplex? Google, Google's Duplex demo, there's a few. I was say intriguing, that scared a few people. Because when they demoed that, was just, uh, I think it was earlier this year, was it? Yeah. And, and Google demoed this, and, and, and they were actually doing live calls to um, restaurants and so forth. And it was actually AI talking, and they were doing the same the typical way humans talk, maybe say it's touch or it's by stop words or uh, things like that as well. But it sounded very convincing. And the people on the other side was thinking this was absolutely human. So it was, and they were handling it exactly, and it, and it handled it handled the whole situation, the whole order, in a very graceful effective manner so um, so that's where things are going and Google is quite advanced in terms of, of, of that technologies anyway so three I think last year this is what it looks like so it's just it's 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 crazy I'm going to just skip that one so just let's talk about artificial intelligence um, a little bit now we saw these kind of uh, definitions of AI um, Basically, uh, you, can, you can look at narrow intelligence, artificial general intelligence, and artificial superintelligence. Now, I'm, I'm still, still a bit skeptical about superintelligence. I know Elon Musk and his few guys um, 
and that's really talk about singularity and all that, all, uh, all of those type of things, and we can really talk about that. But let's just go through the definition. So narrow intelligence is really AI that equals or exceeds human intelligence or an efficiency at a specific task. And that's what we generally see in most of the applications. And I think we, we should really focus on that. We can have hybrids of these narrow intelligence doing all sorts of different, uh, different th things for us. But then you can potentially move to artificial general intelligence where you have a machine that with the ability to apply intelligence to any problem. And then, then it starts to proxy approximate humans effectively. And, and, and that becomes scary. Um, uh, but that's not impossible. It might be that this consists of a bunch of narrow intelligence just working together as well. Um, and then finally you get super intelligence where the, well, they're saying at the end, an, an intellect, an intellect that is much smarter than the best human brains in practically every field, including scientific creativity, general wisdom, and social skills. We still have to see if that is possible at all, but okay. Um, so uh, um, if you look at, okay, so just quickly, um, uh, artificial intelligence, machine intelligence, deep learning, I'll quickly just define um, the terms. So with, with AIs, it's really the science engineering behind developing intelligent machines. That software, we say machines, software machines, any of that. So, so that is AI. Uh, very simplistic, but, uh, but, but still accurate definition. Then a subset of that, and that was causing a lot of the breakthrough, breakthroughs, is, is machine learning. And, and the real breakthroughs was um, earlier, well, earlier this decade with, with deep learning. Maybe, maybe started 2008, 9, 10, uh, as deep learning. And, and machine learning is really systems that can learn from data. Whereas deep learning is also systems that learn from data, but it's, it's actually modeling high-level abstractions. If you think about the visual cortex, the way we recognize faces, you also see effectively uh, the first layers, V1, you can look at V1, V2, etc. And the first layers is really looking at segmentation and looking at lines and edges and all sorts of things. And then the next layer, as you go higher up, this is it's really putting it together and constructing objects, maybe a nose or a ear or so forth and then it can finally construct faces as well so and, and this is the way our brain works at least from a visual cortex perspective but you see the same kind of thing on an auditory uh, level um, and other things as well so um, anyway so deep learning mimics that and and uh, and we great we're actually creating some incredible applications um, using that and, and really the deep learning recipe is we've got lots of data we've got unbelievable computing uh, power and even uh, Google is coming out with better GPUs to graphical processing units called TPUs which is really focused on it's almost like in the past with computers you need to write a program and it needs to um, and you execute this and it's got just very specific ways of executing this program but if you now modify the hardware to suit the neural network the way it trains some of the common operations you put it in hardware, you can do things quicker. And typically what happens with, with AI neural networks, a lot of the operations is happening on a layer. And so you can do all of those things in a layer, you can do in parallel. And, and that's why you can do things at fast speeds. And when we get to quantum computing and stuff, it's, it's gonna be even faster, significantly faster. So, um, so we, and then algorithms, there, there are breakthroughs and algorithms as well. And, but apart from that, we see, it's almost like a chain reaction. We see now also a lot more money being put into this. Well, I did my PhD in the 90s. Um, uh, we, we, we used the AI stack in the 2000s quite effectively. I remember at all these companies, 1%, uh, 2%, 3% improvement in throughput yield translates to millions of dollars for the likes of Sassel or Anglo or all these kind of, kind of companies that we worked with. Um, and so there's tremendous value, but I think we, we obviously live now in an age where there's no excuses. It's actually human standing in the way of, of, of all these opportunities now because we've got enough compute, there's enough data, we've got algorithms, we've got funding. Um, so we will see more breakthroughs as well. Okay, so I'll, I'm gonna skip skip that. It's a bit more technical. Uh, it's not necessary to go into the, this is actually the, what I uh, wanted to show. So basically the cool thing is, with typical AI, you had to do a lot of data preparation, massage the data and all sorts of things, but with deep learning, you actually skip, you actually work with the pixels, with the raw pixels, and you just take it through this um, um, neural network, and it actually starts taking edges, noses, eyes, and faces eventually. Um, and this is 
because the way it works, you obviously need the right algorithms and, and, and so forth to do that. All right, so I'll skip that. So just some of the top data applications. This was recent, um, and you will see a number of them is actually in healthcare, um, which is interesting. Um, I think also if you look at AI, the investments in AI-based companies, I see healthcare companies getting significant funding. So robot-assisted surgery, 40 billion. Virtual nursing assistance, 20 billion. Administrative workflow assistant, okay, that's more generic, 18 billion. Fraud detection is a big one. And I think also with cyber, well, cyber security is only 2 billion here, but I think cyber security is massively important. Um, um, nobody wants to be hacked. Um, and, uh, but anyway, so but there's a bunch of other uh, applications there as well. You, as a matter of fact, you will see preliminary diagnosis, clinical trial, participant identifiers, etc. Okay, so now let's get to where these things are going. So um, currently you see AI that can learn from data, can do pattern recognition, and they can do perception. There's some abstraction, but it really needs a lot more improvements and breakthroughs on that level. And I think reasoning, for certain techniques you can start reasoning, but, but we still need to have a bit more breakthroughs so these neural networks can explain. Um, what, why decisions are being made, why the predictions, why the confidence in this prediction, etc. So I expect a few breakthroughs there. And Jan LeCun, the guy that was really behind convolutional neural nets, which is uh, doing image recognition and so forth, was saying similar, similar, the similar kind of thing to DARPA. This is DARPA. He was talking about intelligence and common sense. This is what we need if you look at what's the obstacle to progress in AI. We need perception, we need predictive models, we need memory, we need reasoning, we need planning. Uh, as well. So you can expect some breakthroughs and improvements and research in, in those areas over the next few years and that will make a big difference. It will open up more doors and make it uh, more effective. Okay, so I, there's a recently a tech talk that I would recommend that you watch if you're interested in the future of AI. I just, I think it was last week, just a week before, I was at Leaderx and I was doing a talk on the future of AI. And the talk was, I think, about 40 minutes or something, and then we had another hour discussion afterwards. People were intrigued, and everyone wanted to talk about it. And I shared some of these slides as well. So this is Dr. Kaifu Kai Lee. He, was, um, uh, he also did a PhD in AI and stuff, and he worked at Apple and Google. So he spent quite a bit of time in, in the US. He's back in China. I think he's originally from Taiwan. But I've got a, I share a similar kind of vision, because he, what he's trying to do is, is we need to shape this better future. And he's talking about new jobs, and he's trying to be realistic about what's happening with jobs as well. Um, so I recommend you can just go to Dr. Kaifu Lee, TED Talk, The Future of AI. It's about 15 minutes, 15 minutes or so. Anyway, so, so what's in this talk? So um, he specifically, if you look at jobs, and remember, it's maybe not just jobs being disrupted it's actually what what's happening here is AI is focusing on tasks within jobs so but you can still classify jobs as repetitive routine optimizing complex and creative and the jobs that's repetitive you can expect to be disrupted by AI in the next five years routine jobs and I will show you some of the examples of some of these jobs as well in the next 10 years and then jobs where you optimize in 15 years and the job sets should be safe, at least in this time frame, is, is complex, any complex and creative tasks. Okay, so that's on that axis. So, so if you look at it on this horizontal axis, and you look at some of the jobs, and you look at repetitive, you see telesales, dishwasher, customer support. Routines like truck driver, hematologist, security guards. You look at optimizing radiologist, reporters, research analysts. You go to complex CO, m and expert, economist. Creative columnist, scientist, artist. And it's ranging from optimizing this way to creativity and strategy on this side. Now, what we need to do is to actually shape a better future. And we need to create a human centric access to this, where you can specify compassion not needed versus compassion needed. And, and this is the kind of future that we need to move towards. Now, if you look at those jobs, and you, you just reorganize them on this uh, two-dimensional um, axis now, then you would see the customer support and telesales. You see where those jobs are on the left-hand quadrant. If you go to the right-hand quadrant, you see some of these jobs there. And you can actually move some of these other jobs up because more compassion is needed. And you can argue that maybe artists should be up. 
um, and there's maybe lots of other examples of jobs where there's more compassion. Now, if we, I don't know if you can clearly see it's in red, but now we can look at other jobs which could be on the routine side, but where compassion is needed. A more human-centric approach, wedding planner, elderly caretaker, teacher, tour guides, beauty consultant, uh, remote tutors, and then all these other ones, social workers, etc. And then we can add um, things like homeschool teacher, crisis hotline, well, you can add a, a bunch of other things. Let's just give you an example. And you can take actually any job and say, how can I make it more human-centric? Even a doctor, medical doctor, that that's going to change anyway. So because you need to look at, and even for lawyers, we talk about uh, law is going to be disrupted as well. So you, you, you will see that AI machines is reading documents and doing things at scale. So it's going to be a very helpful tool similar to to, to the medical profession as well. So but anyway, so this is how we need to shape that better future. So now if we think about um, where AI is coming to play. So in this left quadrant, you would see AI really coming hard in there and taking over a, a bunch of those kind of jobs. Um, and when you move to this um, area to the right, um, you will see there's AI, but there's human plus AI. If you go to the top left, you will see there's some AI, but there's the warm embrace of humans, compassion, and all of that that's utilizing it. So it's working with machines and, and, and utilizing that in an optimal way. And I think there's a lot of jobs that's going to be uh, really in, in that quadrant. And then, then we will get to, with its compassion and its creativity and strategy, I think you will see most definitely a lot of human activity. Um, and, and, and I think this is probably kind of future that we're working towards. And, and I think what we need to do is to make sure that we create those jobs going uh, <laughs> in those, especially uh, uh, north of this horizontal axis. Okay, so I wanted to quickly share that. So and then I, I, I'm going to skip a few things here. Just quick, and, uh, yeah, I just want to quickly do this. So I think this is a, a slide from, I think it's from PwC, if I'm not mistaken. But, um, so if you look at the man-machine intelligence continuum, currently we see assistive intelligence, where you've got the nature of the task doesn't really change. And you're talking about machinery, processes and factories, boilers and those type of things. And you see the tasks are automated and humans don't learn, but machines learn. So that's assistive intelligence. But if you look at augmented intelligence, then the nature of the task actually change. And you see humans informing machines and machines is informing humans. An example is business strategy analysis using machine learning or AI. You see smart clinical decision support, those type of things as well. And then we will definitely move to a world where we will see more autonomous intelligence, like autonomous vehicles, smart investments, decisions being made, where the nature of the tasks change as well, and decisions are automated, and machines learn continuously. So we're definitely moving towards that. And if, even if you look at the market opportunity, you will see it's, it's, it's massive. Um, so this is what we will see over time. Um, and and, and uh, basically, if you look at that left quadrant, I think we will see a lot of autonomous intelligence in, in that particular area, but this is, this is the world that we move towards. Okay, so I think more from a business side, uh, maybe I'm going to end off with a bit, bit of business. Um, who's representing, well, you're all business. Yeah, so, 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 so let's just quickly talk about this. For me, when we say, okay, how can we make it real? How do you, where do you stop with these type of things? Um, so I think the, the key thing here is to, to really start with the value drivers of a thriving business. And you need to say, okay, what can I do? How can these technologies help me to increase operational efficiency, effectiveness, revenue? How can it help me to create strategic value? Or if it's a customer-facing business, how can it enhance customer experience? How can we get to more targeted sales and marketing? I think with all these kind of apps and things that we get, um, I think especially the youth um, is getting used to real-time on-demand services, apps, the games are working smoothly, it's personalized, gamified. Um, uh, sorry. <laughs> um, the, the jobs, uh, you, so basically you see a range of things um, um, from, from, the, from that perspective. So I think this expectation that business uh, as well, that customers want to see real-time, on-demand, digital, personalized service. They will expect you to have context um, around the, the business. They're giving you data around them, so they expect 
um, a, a number of things there. So anyway, so and it's all possible given the structured and unstructured data that's available. The thing, if I just go to strate uh, strategic value, I think we also live in the new age where data is new oil. If you if you wanted to say, that, I think it's, it's actually true in the sense that you can create new business models, new revenue growth opportunities using data as well. So, so and it also is important for smaller R&D innovation collaboration. And I think one needs to think out of the box as well. As a company, you've got this is the data that you've got. How can I enrich my data? With whom do I need to partner to actually create added value for my customers? Um, and those type of questions. So anyway, so, so those are, are things that's important. If you think about the insurance industry, I think we, we're really with AI looking at enhanced services and new value that can be created. Um, you can redefine the value proposition with more personalized customer experience. You can redefine the whole distribution with digital advice. You can enhance efficiencies with more automated, augmented underwriting, and then if you you can reduce the claims processing times also with robo claims and adjusters, etc. And there's a bunch of AI technologies that support these technologies as well. So opportunities in abundance to to create a different world and create new business models and, and unlock value. Okay, so in Cortex Logic, we, we basically look at solutions, and I'm not going to talk more, too much about that. I actually want to go to some slides that talked about South Africa as well. But in general, before I get to that, for a thriving business, the interesting thing is we, we are working with some corporates that are thinking about instrumenting their business even more across the whole value chain. And the more data you've got across the value chain, the value chain, you can start building models of the business itself. They talk about digital twins. You can build a digital twin of a jet engine. You can build a digital twin of a process, a chemical process, a furnace. But you can also build a digital twin of a business if it's instrumented enough. You can even do the same of customers. If you've got a lot of information about customers. You can you can build a model that approximates potential behavior um, that you see. Um, and if you can start doing that with a business across the value chain and you've got models that represent reality, um, you can then do what-if scenario analysis, you can do optimization, you can, you can almost treat it as a game and you can start optimizing. It's almost like that game of Go where you start applying AI on that scale. So you can apply AI on multiple scales. So there's many, many things that one can do in terms of that. Um, if you've got a, a uh, customer-facing business, then you want growing and satisfied customer base, a bunch of applications. But I think EOH has got a saying, uh, technology makes it possible, people make it happen. And your employees are pretty important. And one needs to think about upskilling, even in this new smart technology era, one needs to carefully think, how do you, how can you reuse, how can you upskill people, how can, you, how can people adapt to this new environment, and how can they become more productive? And if you if one really carefully think about this, there's all sorts of solutions where you can have tools that's empowering people. Um, and then smart systems is, is really around cybersecurity, fraud, um, a bunch of things around that as well. So I'll skip some of this. If you look at the whole analytics spectrum, just to give you a quick idea, so it typically it's it's you can look at analytics, you can say you get descriptive analytics and it's basically saying what happened. You can get diagnostics telling you why did it happen. Discovery is looking maybe at the clusters and patterns in the data and it's discovering hidden insights. And then you can move to predictive, which is obviously clearly incredibly valuable because it's actually see what could happen, maybe a day ahead, a week ahead. Um, and then I think very importantly, you want to make sure that you can integrate with the business. So you want to be prescriptive. You can say, how can I make it happen? How can I use my predictions? How can I use my hidden insights to actually create uh, uh, a more, uh, um, how can I use these kind of intelligences to create better solutions? And then cognitive is really learning at scale, reasoning with purpose, explaining, interaction, na interacting naturally. And so you will basically see uh, AI across the whole spectrum uh, here. Okay, so sorry, just this is on the MIA thing. So you can go to the, by the way, if you go there, um, machineintelligenceafrica.org, you would find um, also um, on the events page a bunch of uh, presentations, resources, and all the events happening in this space. So we would try to track a bunch of things there. So it's worthwhile going to machineintelligenceafrica.org. Um, so you can see all those events escalating as well. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. 
Exponential. Exponential. Even, even there. <laughs> so, um, I mentioned the 21st century skills that's needed. So um, the complex challenges, critical thinking, problem solving, creativity, communication, collaboration, and then character qualities, <coughs> the changing environment, curiosity, initiative, persistence, adaptability, leadership, social, cultural awareness. Those type of skills are really critical. Um, and, and, and this is what our kids, this is, you gotta, they got to focus on, on these type of things. So, okay. So I've got a few things here. Yeah, this is all about the AI revolution. And, and, and really, the world, this is dangerous. It could either pull the bottom billion out of poverty and transform dysfunctional institutions, but that would require absolute collaboration from public and private sector, all, everyone. Um, or entrenched injustice and increasing inequality. We don't want that world. So we need to shape that better world, and we need to manage it. So, so, so that's that is the. Uh, by the way, I'll make this presentation available. I'm not going through everything in detail because um, I also want to leave time for Q and A and questions and some interactions and stuff. Um, but what I want to do is I just want to quickly go to this artificial intelligence in South Africa ready. Uh, this was done by Accenture. And they're kind of summarizing some of the AI technologies, some of the things that I talked about, where we talk about Sensing Comprehension Act, and they've given some illustrative solutions. So this is the kind of solutions that we are working on as well, virtual agents, identity analytics, uh, cognitive robotics, speech analytics, recommendation engines. You see how well Amazon is doing recommendation engines. Um, so, so why do we need AI? So uh, basically, <laughs> this is interesting. So most consumers and enterprise clients will select products and services based on company's AI instead of the company's traditional brand. How good are you in terms of providing what the customer needs? Is it personalized? So most interfaces will not have screens and will be integrated into daily tasks. Adaptive workforce, ecosystems, power place, AI is the new UI. It becomes the new UI. And why do we need keyboards? Why do we need um, mouses and all those kind of things? In the future, we will just talk we just able to, and it will become, that's why it will become a more human-centric world in a sense as well. But we still need to make sure that we make wise choices in terms of how we live and how we, you know, we've got definitely a problem. We're sitting in a transition where we've got kids and a lot of us spending a lot of time looking at cell phones and stuff. So um, I think it's all a transition. It will probably always be a transition. It's all how we manage um, that transition. Um, there was, a, uh, I think, a questionnaire out or a survey. 78% of South African executives say they need to boost their organization's competitive, competitiveness by you know, innovating through investments in AI technologies. So we say that. And what is holding South Africa back? Um, well, in a new era in which AI has the potential to overcome the physical limitations of capital and labor and open up new source of value and growth. And I think South Africa, I, I speak to a lot of Uber drivers as well and try to test what they think and so forth and I think South Africa there's also a laziness in general so if we want to compete international we need to be working a lot harder I think and learning more and not rest no laurels um, otherwise we will be left behind so um, and they talk about this chronic productivity deficit in South Africa so we've got some interesting challenges we do have yeah anyway so one can elaborate on that um, but I think the three main channels through which value will be generated, intelligent automation, augmenting existing labor and capital, and then innovation diffusion. So obviously innovation breeds innovation as well. And this is just showing economic growth forecasts without AI and with AI. So this significant impact uh, for South Africa in terms of our, uh, GDP. Um, okay, so I think uh, there's a few other things in terms of what we should be doing, creating a vibrant ecosystem. That's why I've been with Machine Intelligence Institute of Africa, I'm trying to work and collaborate with universities, startups, um, uh, companies, large companies, and so forth, working with government. I think um, I would love to see a, a government that works like Uber, seamless. Uh, just think about it, it's possible. And, uh, um, and, and I think with blockchain, we will get to more decentralized systems. Um, I would love a more direct democracy. Um, where you've got, you've got still, you still need visionary leadership. You still want people, but we can still have smart technology in place to help shape that better future. And we need to be creative and think about the kind of future that we want as well. And I think also, um, 
practice responsible AI. So just recently I was in Pretoria participating in a, um, a United Nations conference actually in Pretoria. We talked about lethal autonomous weapons. That's a danger. And it's not like we talked about nuclear on the one day and the other day it was lethal autonomous weapons or killer robots. That's a massive danger and the problem is it could be very accessible to lots to terrorist organizations as well. So we're entering a dangerous world. I, I don't know who saw, there was a presentation, uh, there was, it was the Venezuelan president speaking and it was a parade and then there was a drone exploding in front of them and everybody was just scattering and stuff. I don't know if you've seen that video. Google. That was obviously not a small drone or anything. I think they quickly disabled it. But it just shows you, Google, this is the kind of, this is the it's dangerous future. You can have very small little drones that can do facial recognition, target people. Dangerous. So, shaping their future, one, one needs to be super careful. Um, but you also see that countries are taking this very seriously. They see incredible opportunities um, solving massive problems. We can solve climate, well, we, we can. Well, we have to see, but there's major problems that we can solve um, with with these type of, type of technologies and stuff. And we need to look at a comprehensive, long-term vision, the role of AI in the country's economic development. This is what China's doing, that's what France is doing, and all these other countries. And even on, I think I've got a LinkedIn post, and by the way, you're welcome to connect on LinkedIn, and you can read some of my LinkedIn posts, where I also um, write about some of these things as well. A very interesting world. And maybe the final thing that I want to say, I think for business, are we ready? There are AI companies um, that, and, that can actually help you. And I think if we, this is a very interesting, I think this is from, I'm not sure, I think, yeah, this is Accenture still. Um, on the X, on the Y axis, they talk about um, innovation. On the X axis, talk about collaboration. And they've actually, again, did a survey. And specifically, most companies were in the observer category. Not really innovating, not really collaborating. Some companies innovating, some companies collaborating. And then you've got some companies that's doing collaborative invent, uh, uh, well, they talk about collaborative inventor, but collaborative innovation. And, and this is the kind of companies that kind of partner. They realize we live in the API economy, it's plug and play. You need to collaborate to make things work if you want to move faster, if you want to be agile. And, and this is what I would recommend, if, if um, really embrace companies that can potentially help um, you move quicker and faster and, um, and help you thrive in the smart technology era. And I'm going to end with that. Thank you. So, any questions? I think I've, let me just see, it's, yeah, actually, time. I could have, there's a few other slides, but uh, yes, question there. Cool. Hi, um, to me from HSF. Um, so I've read about two interesting stories. One is about two AI programs that uh, started speaking to each other in a language that the inventors couldn't understand. And they had to, they had to shut them down because they didn't, they didn't know what was going on. And the second was about an AI program that was trying to break out of the firewall. Um, what do you think about, there are also predictions that at some point AI will overtake human intelligence and this will happen in our generation. What do you think about those risks and, and what are we doing to, to mitigate them? Okay, first of all, the first one is fake news. Um, the, well, well that, it was kind of, that's, it's, it's um, if you think about even the current neural, um, uh, the current, if you look at what Google is doing with translations as well, um, it's in a similar way, um, as I've mentioned, if you look at that vision, vision example where I showed did segmentation, it created then little group things together, it created abstractions of that. You can do the same with languages and you can create representations of languages um, and, and that's what they were talking about, kind of working on this kind of level there as well. That, um, it's almost like in a thought or a kind of level, but really that didn't pose anything, it's not like there's consciousness or anything, that's just abstract representation of the underlying concepts and, and it's just a way to translate. So it, I think we've just, it, it, it is just like we've humanized that, we've, we, I, I think, and I think it's completely out of context and it's not a danger at all, it's, 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 that's not a problem. It's maybe your other questions um, in terms of where this is going. So, um, so I, I think, if you think about the human brain, I've got various opinions around this.
clearly, if we get to a world where you can simulate, where you get the complexity of the human brain, 10 to the power of 11 neurons, 10 to the power of four um, synapses, interconnections as well, you might get emergent properties like consciousness and all sorts of different things. So it, you, you might get to a very interesting world. That's what we need to shape it. We can still have narrow intelligences that's really focused on solving very specific tasks. We don't need to create a, a, a world or machines that, that emulate exactly what we do as humans. The danger is, however, the danger is there. So, uh, so I don't think super intelligence is out of the question. I think it's, it is a real risk. I still think there's a lot of breakthroughs still necessary. We haven't figured out the brain by a long shot. Um, if we understand the brain, and we will, I think we will one day. Um, there's a, on YouTube also Closer to Truth, um, a YouTube channel that just they interview all these neuroscientists and physicists and all, all sorts of different people that's got very interesting opinions. And I think there's some, if you listen to all of them, this, this collective wisdom, you, you can probably f filter out some of the, the reality um, and actual truth and where things can potentially go. And when you listen to that and distill things, you realize that yes, that could be possible. I'm not sure if in our lifetime, but it, it could be possible. So yeah, so we gotta be careful. That's why we're entering a dangerous world. Yeah. Any other questions? Yes. So uh, Craig from Flight Center Travel Group. Yes. So um, artificial intelligence, all of your slides have been, okay. can you all hear me? Yes. It's all been focused yeah. towards uh, a very first world um, yes. kind of mindset. With South Africa being so entrenched with a traditional mindset, how do you think we're going to get over that from a, like a government and a, that point of view? Yeah, so we've got real challenges. I, I think there's many bigger fundamental problems. We talk about land and all that, but we need to think about education. We need to think, I think it's, uh, okay, I'm going to get to that specifically. I just want to, uh, I, I think we need to disrupt telecommunications. We need almost like free internet, uh, access to the internet. My son is 15 years old. He's learning a so much on with courses on YouTube, and I've just put him on that path, a little bit of programming, and he's going. And, and we need, we want all kids and, and people to actually have that kind of access. And we especially need this here in South Africa, um, and Africa in general, because we are going to be left behind if we don't do something drastic in terms of that. Um, and I know we need to work through all these issues, and they are land, well, absolutely, uh, injustices and all of that, but we, we need to look at that. Now, so, so I think um, there are some thought leadership here, um, we are going to speak to government as well via some of the, the business initiatives that I'm busy with and also non-profit initiatives. Um, but we need, we need collaboration of all people, we need buy-in, we need all stakeholders to get together. We won't solve this on our own or a single organization. It, it's going to be the business sector, the, the, the public sector, we all need to get, to get together and see this as something very serious. You can see that the first world is taking this incredibly serious. Um, and uh, really, we're going to get to a world where, if you think about Uber, a lot of money is going out of the country. If you think about advertising, I spoke to speak to Nas Parison, and you can see that Google and Facebook <laughs> grabbing that advertising revenue. It's going, not yet, it's out. So we need to create winning platform businesses. And that's why, from a Cortex Logic side, we're, we've got an AI Tech Capital Fund. We're investing in winning platform businesses on the African continent. We are uh, working with corporates. We're trying to create winning businesses that can compete internationally. And we, I'm trying to be optimistic and be positive around this. So trying to do my, my part, but there's a lot of, there's some other great initiatives around this, but it's not an easy problem. Um, yeah, so <laughs> I'm not sure where it's going to go. <laughs> okay. yes. Hi, sorry. I just wanted to be very provocative. Yes. There's a difference between falling behind and opting out. So at the end of the day, if what you're saying is you're potentially walking into a potentially very dangerous situation, there is room for opting out. And actually saying as a country and as a continent, we choose to not go down this pathway. And it doesn't mean that you necessarily get left behind. And it doesn't mean that you necessarily lose out but that you should be able to make a sensible decision about whether, given all the things that are on the side of it going horribly pear-shaped, 
it reminds me very much of nuclear power. We will use it in medicine on one hand and yep. achieve amazing things, okay. and we will completely blow up continents on the other side. So what is your choice as a country and what is your choice as a continent in terms of following this through? And would it be a sensible decision to actually go wandering headfirst into something that is potentially so dangerous? Yeah, so okay, this is my answer. If you, if you read Homo sapiens as well, mm -hmm. give you broad perspective um, as well. And I think we are sitting with, the, the problem is the internet, we almost create a human nervous system we are connected, it's just, the world has gotten got very small, much smaller. So I think you make the wrong decision if, if you isolate yourself. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is economies are connected. We've got climate problems. We've got, it's so, we're so entrenched, our whole economy, um, everything with the world. So that's why even what Trump is doing, so I'm not sure that is, that's wise. Mm -hmm. um, uh, we, we need to think more as a homosapiens species together and how can we collaborate. And I think in the future, we probably need to think about countries as well. Maybe we're going to work, move towards a world where there's more smart cities connected in this web, and we've got more influence around the area where you live, more direct democracy and influence in terms of what's happening around this. But you connect it with the world, mm -hmm. and you. Uh, so I think it's probably going to be more. That's probably more the solution. Um, and in that kind of world, I, I can't see how you can just be. You can obviously try and opt out as a smart city. I'm just isolated. Well, it's going to be interesting. I'm not sure. So it's the yeah. <laughs> That's fiction. That's fiction. <laughs> yes, it is. Hi, sorry, Robin from Investec. So if you have a look at uh, your graph and you have a look at where AI is going to be taking over, it's blue-collar work. And it's no, a proportion no, of no. a lot of it is. So you're looking no, at yeah. truck drivers, you're looking True. at agriculture, you're looking at manufacturing. That's blue-collar work. So if you look at most of society, and if you look at South Africa in particular, that's most of society. So, you know, you, you're setting yourself up for civil unrest um, if you go down the route of AI. Exactly right. So, we're, we're, well, um, this is where we need to be wise um, and, and, and think, we need to create those jobs. We need to think about even an Uber driver, how do you create, make it more human-centric? How do you create... You need to think about every job and 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 project forward, and and see how do we create this and how, make it more valuable. Teaching why is it not being? We're not paying that properly. We we need to change the way we value human centric type of jobs. So so I think um, it is it is a kind of a function of the current economic system, the way we value jobs and stuff. That's why we sit where we sit. Um, why do we want humans to do? Repetitive stuff, routine stuff. We've got a human brain. We want everybody. Uh, uh, let's reward creativity. Let's reward compassion, love, human-centric. Um, I don't think entertainment is going away. Um, or there's going to be. There's so many other things. Artists being artists and, and so forth. So, I, I think we just need to be creative. Imagine, imagine a better world, and create that um, um, kind of world. So. Yeah, so I don't think we should get stuck with the, the current scenario, but but it requires something dramatic and drastic, and um, so that's why it's not going to be simple and easy. I think we're in for a tough road. Yeah. Hi. We've got two minutes, and I have to run. <laughs> yes, sorry. Yes, please. Hi. Um, I really enjoyed your whole uh, evaluation on people. I'm a reward strategist and I think for me it's concerning that yes, the lower levels of um, one would say intelligence is not going to be there. But I think for me I want to know, you talk about shape up. Obviously as countries we need to speed up and scale up, right, before we shape up. What is the measurement? How far are we? So I'm not going with opt opt out, we need no. to speed up and yeah. we need to move forward yeah. because the technology in terms of manufacturing is definitely here. I see it, I work for Mondelez, uh, our, our competitors are sitting in Germany because of innovation, what they're doing. How far are we and how fast do we need to speed up to catch up? Uh, have you measured this? I, 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 feel, I, I feel kind of, I, I've seen situations where we've leapfrogged. Um, uh, Mpeza in Kenya, for instance, in financial services, I think we can leapfrog with medicine. If you think about drone, well, the way we work with medicine in the African context. So I see there's a lot of opportunities where 
we can leapfrog and we can create really competitive solution that we can take internationally as well. So that's the opportunity. Um, uh, another one, well, I, I was, uh, just before I started Cortex, I was at Juma. Juma's next generation mobile money marketplace. Um, and they're doing mobile uh, um, uh, microloans and those type of things by feature phones. And there was like exponential growth in, in countries like uh, Tanzania, Tanzania and, and, and Ghana and those type of countries as well. So, and they're going into Pakistan and, and now they just got $52 million investment to go into Asia as well. So that's an example of, uh, yeah. And mining, is there, mining. have you guys measured the measurements of mining? I mean, in yep. Africa. Yeah, mining is interesting. So I'm working with a lot of my, well, my previous AI company, we work with all the mines, minerals, metals, mining industry. You talk about mining, yeah. Um, the mines of tomorrow is going to be super automated and less, will, so yeah. So it's going to disrupt workers, no question about it. It's, um, if you go very deep down the ground, it's very dangerous for humans. So we're going to move to a world where you will see a lot more robotics and things happening there. So we need to shift it. We'll need to get jobs out of that dangerous zone. And so we've got to be more, more creative, reward human-centric jobs. Um, and uh, yeah, we shouldn't get stuck with the traditional jobs. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Before you go, um, yes. on behalf of the membership, a small token of our appreciation. Thank you very much. Which is, has, <laughs> coming, which has currency in Cape Town. Oh, okay, cool. uh, thanks. You, you start, start your yep. running. I know you've got to get to the airport. Yep. As, as we you. suspected, thanks. We suspect that that's just the tip of the iceberg, and it's just an introduction of the subject uh, to us. Uh, however, let's go and do something which. Uh